You're listening to the Ultimate Road Trip Podcast. Hi all and welcome along to this edition of the Ultimate Road Trip Podcast. And before I crack on with this week's episode, I can tell you that I've already started gathering guests for season three, including, really excited to say, Sir Jackie Stewart and one of the world's greatest living designers and big classic car fan, Mark Newson. Now, the UK has a rich heritage in everything automotive and aeronautical. All across our green and pleasant land, there are those places that are inextricably linked to both the motor car and the aeroplane. From Brooklands in Surrey, the site of the world's first purpose-built motor circuit, and at one point the country's largest centre of aircraft manufacturing. To Silverstone, once an RAF station, which was the base for Wellington bombers, and of course, more recently, the home of the British Grand Prix, And Goodwood Circuit is the perimeter track of what was once RAF West Hampton, now Goodwood Aerodrome, of course. Many other ex-RAF stations and airfields are now racetracks, including Thruxton, Snetterton, Dunsfold and Anglesey. And old aircraft hangars are very useful when it comes to storing cars. Deep in the glorious Cotswold countryside, around eight miles northeast of Sirencester, is the site of what was once RAF Bybury a fighter command base for Spitfires and Hurricanes during World War II. Today, the five-acre site, complete with the original blister aircraft hangar, is the home of the classic motor hub. And a few weeks ago, I went down for a socially distanced visit for the Ultimate Road Trip podcast. The hub was founded by Martin Chisholm, who's been an authority in the collector's car world for three decades. Their tagline, if you will, is, it's more than just a showroom. And it certainly is. Here they have sales, storage, workshop and detailing, along with concierge services, plus a cafe, a bar and their incredibly popular events, including barbecues and live music, treasure hunts, coffee and classics days and private motor club events. When I was there, I met up with sales manager of the hub, Richard Wrightson, to go through his ultimate road trip and talk about how, as a business, they'd been coping over the past few months and his insights into the classic car market during the pandemic. Since I met up with Richard, they've reopened to the public and put on their first classic car treasure hunt, with plenty more events planned through the summer. And as you may have noticed on the Ultimate Road Trip homepage, the podcast, I'm delighted to say, is now sponsored by the Classic Motor Hub. It's great to be associated with such a unique and special place. They stock a huge variety of cars, from early Suffolk's D two-door Range Rovers to D-type Jaguars, and everything else including modern classics, vintage and historically important cars and motorbikes, and the odd classic speedboat and campervan. Lots to choose from then for plenty of dream road trips. Richard's car, as you'll hear, is particularly personal. And the tune I've gone with from one of his albums is the obvious choice. And I'm here now at the Classic Motor Hub with Richard in the members' house, the members' room, Richard. The members' room, yeah, the, or our library in the working week. Um, but yeah, it's all situated in the original Second World War hangar, which when this was RAF, Bybury in the war, so where we see the cars part now, we would have had Spitfires and Hurricanes in the day, which is quite cool. So nice bit of history uh, to our historical uh, sales outlet, one could say. Well, it's, it's such a great setup, isn't it? Because you really are in kind of like the golden triangle when it comes to classic car owning and buying. You're, you're two hours from London, hour and a half from Heathrow, Birmingham Airport, Kemble Airport um, and Bristol. You 
do put on your own events. Of course, you know, the last year has been unprecedented, I'm sure, in terms of your business. You know this business very well. So when it comes to events, you know, you had to put everything on hold this time last year, didn't you? We did, yeah, yeah. We, um, when we started all the events. We are mainly a sales um, company, but we are in the middle of nowhere, as you can vouch for. <laughs> but um, we put on the events, actually bring people here, and then they just grew into their own kind of cult following I guess in a way with the with the and that seems it seems to be a big theme around the place to do cars and coffee and, and stuff like that yeah. um but yeah last year no events but weirdly one of our I think it was our second best year ever in sales I was going to say because of course a lot of your business I'm sure is over the internet overseas buyers looking online so you know not many people come and just drop in so you said the second best year yeah it, it I can only put it down to I think that we all know what the you know the treadmill of life does. It gets in the way, and I think this lockdown, whatever your thoughts are on it, has people have stopped and they're now they're sitting they're stuck at home to a degree. They're looking at things that they're catching up on things that they've been meaning to do. And I think at the very beginning, definitely, we found the demographic who buy our cars were in that over fifty category. I guess that at the very beginning of COVID, when we didn't know just how deadly or, or it was. Yeah you were a sneeze away from getting something that might kill you. So I think people who are talking about buying an old car someday, I think someday became today. So people just went with it. And there still is, you know, it's sad to say, but there's still a lot of money floating around um, COVID or no COVID and, and people need an outlet for that. And I think they finally got around to buying an old car, whether it was as an investment or something to try and enjoy in the lockdown. Yeah, if take, they could, if they could, yeah, exactly. Put some Tesco bags in the footwell and I'm going to the shops officer in my E-type, yeah. you know. I mean, yeah, there's the thing, digital currency obviously has done incredibly well as, as we know. And, uh, and so cars, I suppose, is the market. It's obviously been in rude health for many, many years. The last year, would you say, has demand pushed prices up even more? I, bizarrely, before COVID, I always felt 2020 was going to be a year where things changed. We, we had this sort of unprecedented rise uh, up until about 2016, 17. And then there felt, on the inside anyway, that there was a couple of years where not a lot really happened, where I think sellers still felt their cars were worth the top, top peak money. And buyers felt that the market was changing or had changed. And so they sat waiting for opportunities. So it was a bit of a sort of stalemate, one of those yeah. sort of, in a cowboy movie, you have them sort of staring at each other, reaching for their Who's going to go first? Who's yeah. going to go first? And I think 2020 felt like it would be the final year where the sellers would shift and realize, you know what, it, and it's not a, a, a market-wide thing. I think, you know, DB Assens have been affected differently to 911s and E-types. I think every mark and make and even model to a degree has had its own correction. And but when we see the top, top stuff, you know, cars that have run at Le Mans period or mm. the, the top collector's cars, they're still setting world records. Yeah. So I think it's what we're seeing is a, is a, is a spread amongst the cars that are you know, nine out of 10 and down. And, and that those gaps between each one, each grade, as it were, are getting bigger. Yeah. And the buyers are getting smarter. They're more educated. There's more access to information. There's more people like myself to call up and speak to and ask our opinion. Yeah. Uh, so they're smarter, which is, I think is a good thing. I yeah. think you want them to buy the right stuff. And, and you don't want to deal like nice to deal with people who are, who, you know, who, who know their stuff as uh, you're not having to educate them quite as much as you would, even though that is what you do. And, you know, you've got all the knowledge. I think also that um, it is a pleasure dealing with people who know what they're, they're talking about, but also it's about the passion. And I think we've had, I always liken it to, we've had the age of the investor that's pushed the values up. We had people coming in who were pre-approved for finance and they were asking questions like, what should I buy to make the most money? And 
you know, you'd think a dealer would, would be rubbing his hands together, but mm. there's something a bit soulless and sad about that. You know, I, I do this because I'm a petrol head. And now I actually get, we get more people. Some of them started as investors, but now they've really got into the world. They've gone to shows or rallies and yeah. use the cars and gone, hang on a sec. It's, a, it's been a good investment, but this is also fun and open social circles and all sorts. So I think they're transitioning into enthusiasts. And now I think we're entering the age of the enthusiasts where cars are being used. Um, which, which is what it's all about. Yeah, you know. I, I spoke to a guy today who his Ducati won, just switching to motorbikes because we deal in those as well. His Ducati won the motorcycle category at Salon Privé. He took it for a ride on Saturday. You know, it's not, <laughs> he, he rode it on the road. It's not yeah. a show queen. And that's brilliant to hear because they, these things need to be used. We want to see them out there in the real world as well as at the shows and on the rallies because not everyone can get to Salon Privé, Pebble Beach, Amelia Island, or even go on the Flying Scotsman. So just seeing them out and about in their natural habitat is also very important. And it's kind of my job or our job to... To, to tell people that, to educate them about their responsibilities as an owner of these things, really. But the, yeah, absolutely. But then the events that you put on and the, you know, we see Bista Heritage and Cafe and Machine, you know, Prescott Hill Climb, not far from here, yeah. and Goodwood, of course. Uh, and also the events up north, I think uh, Car Fest is getting a classic fest uh, soon, I, I hear, maybe. Yeah. Chris Evans doing his stuff. So, so the cars are out there, but let's, let's get on to the ultimate road trip. This is the ultimate road trip podcast, and we're, we're surrounded by some fabulous machines. And we'll start with question one, which is, what is the car you would take on your ultimate road trip? The make, the model, and the colour. Uh, so it would be my little uh, Alfa Romeo Giulia Spider. She's from 1964. She's grey with a black interior. Not the original colour, but that doesn't bother me at all. Um, and yeah, I've owned that car for nine, ten years now. And uh, for reasons I'll explain later on yeah. with the uh, with my answers to the road trip, it's it's a car I, I, I call myself emotionally handcuffed to it because there's so many milestones and things that have happened in my life and my life with uh, my wife and my uh, my daughter that it's just it's like the dog I guess it's kind of hopefully the dog that'll never die in a way because it's just it's there and it's a big part of the family um say, but I, yeah so that would be that would be the car with that shout out Gigi as she's called Gigi so why the why did you get the Julia Spider is it a something you remember from when you were young or no I actually came from a sort of non I call myself a first generation petrol head because I came from but my family aren't really into cars that much to be honest but um I always grew up just obsessed with cars and then um it was when I started working for Martin Chisholm who's who's uh, yeah owns the classic motor hub um and early on I thought about getting into classic I've got to have a classic right yeah. to, to sell these things but I didn't have a big budget as a 24-year-old or whatever it was. And, and Martin had just been on a rally in California, the California Miele, that's their version of the Miele Miele. And he said, oh, these little Giulietta spiders, these, you know, they, they were just all these multi-millionaire car clips. They've all got one. They're just, right. they're cool. They're, they're, they're good looking. They're just, yeah, they seem to be, everyone's got them and they can do these events. You should go for one of those. So and still relatively accessible that, at that time. At that point, at that point it was, yeah. And um, I then went to Retromobile in Paris and I was speaking to this American guy who worked for a big collector. He said, have you got an old car? And I'm like, no, but I'm looking for a Giulietta Spider. He goes, hey, one of the guys that runs our building, uh, our storage, one of our storage units has just restored one for his wife and they're now breaking up. So I, d I thought it's probably not a very good restoration <laughs> then, but um, I hope that's not the reason. 
but he went back to the States, said, I'll get you some pictures. And it turned out to be a Julia spider, which right. is just the 1600. I mean, yeah. bar a different bonnet and mm -hmm. a 1600 CC engine, they're identical. And I thought, well, I'm not that fussy. I didn't go out with this big mission on a Julietta effectively. So I said, what would he take? And he gave me a number and I made an offer and they said, yes. And Brilliant. the rest, is, as they say, is, is history. And I, I bought it off photos, never even seen it. Oh, really? It got right. shipped over. It turned up actually at where Nick Mason keeps his cars. I, um, I was delivering a car there and it was coming on a big Cars UK lorry. And they said, well, we're delivering up there. Do you want to meet it there? So I, it rolled off the lorry and there it was on at, um, at, at uh, that place. And I remember sitting in it and driving it for the first time. It was just, yeah, when it's... It, you're disconnected as a dealer to a degree when you sure. drive these cars around, but when you sit in a car and think, wow, this is, this is mine. Like, it, you know, previous to that, I've been very fortunate to drive some incredible old cars in my job, but when you're holding your steering wheel sat yeah. in your car, it, it, you instantly, it's an instant bond. It's, it's incredible. At least that was my experience. Great. Cause to pick one car, obviously that she's your baby, but the cars you have here, I'm just looking out of the, uh, out of the members' room doors, and you know, I'm looking at a DB7 Zagato. There is a, uh, a D-type Jaguar. You know, you you get some fabulous machines in, it. and not just the DB5s or the DB7s or the D-types or C-types. They had a C-type recently. You know, you also go for things that are still, again, relatively accessible with Range Rover two doors. You know, yeah. so you're you're not just top of the market. You you deal with the whole kind of gamut. Yeah, I mean, they say it's dangerous to try and be, you know, a, a, you could be a jack of all trades, master of none, so to speak. But I just think it's such a broad church, the old car world. You know, I, I get as, we have people, I as a petroleum, get as excited about something that's weird and interesting at 15 grand yeah. that I do when I see a 250 GTO at an amazing event. You know, they, it's all about the enthusiasm and also the, the events that we hold here, the clients who come over are, they have varying budgets, you know, and, yeah. and, the way I kind of look at it is the guy who can spend 20, 30, 40,000 on something you don't actually need is fairly well off in their own right. You know, it, it, it's nothing to be sniffed at, I think, to have these lower value cars. And also people have to start somewhere. You know, like there's someone who might turn up here by something like, um, uh, you know, Matthew's old 911 Carrera 3.2 we sold. We saw it to quite a young guy. Now he's thinking about buying something else and they've got to start somewhere. And if you can introduce them to that world and help them into hold their hand, which is what we can do as dealers. You know, if you buy at auction, you don't get a phone call after saying, have you thought about doing this with it or that? I mean, maybe you do, but we can really bring them into the world of old cars and make sure they stay. They don't just come in, no one really welcomes them at the door and they don't know what to do. And then they kind of, they, they dip their toe and that's it. Yeah. Um, but you also, of course, do storage here, which is great. Again, talk about high net worth individuals in the area. So what a great service to have. You know, I'm sure it's, you can get humidified or you do, you do air air bubble storage yeah, exactly. and, and everything else. So. Yeah, exactly. We do. So we, we've tried to, we sort of inadvertently, never had a big plan for it, so to speak, but we inadvertently found ourselves starting a storage business when we used to be based somewhere nearby where we had space for eight cars and you'd right. sell it and they'd say, well, look, I'm coming to Europe in six months. Can you keep it there? And, mm. and you'd end up filling your showroom full of sold cars. Um, so we bought a unit to store our own stuff in and then that just sort of grew. But now that we do in-house transport, we've got a workshop, we're kind of, we've become this concierge service, we like to sort of call it, where yeah. a lot of people love the idea of old cars, but it's a lot of hassle to manage, especially if you are, you know, uh, someone in the city working long hours and, and hard and you've got big responsibilities. You just want to kind of have your weekend where the car will be working, you know, it's taxed, it's MOT'd, it's, 
it's kind of ready to go. Um, and that's what we started to develop with a lot of our clients was they just need to tell us when they need it and we'll, we'll take all the rest of the, uh, the hassle away, really. Like a lot of marinas, you know, people keep boats and, you know, in these huge hangars, speed boats on the south coast and you call ahead and they're ready to go. So it's a great service to provide. And also for prospective buyers, if they know that you're handling all these amazing cars worth some cases millions, then they know you're doing something right. So it gives you extra kudos, for want of a better word, and, 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 yeah. and they're going to come to you rather than your competitor potentially. I think, the, um, I think the key to any business, we're speaking to a guy who started um, a clothing brand and he said, when someone buys from your brand, you're, they're buying your promise. That, that is, you know, you're selling them something that you hand on heart can sort of say is, is a good one. And I think with, with something like The Hub, what we, that's what we're trying to build is that idea that if we look after it for you, we're going to do the best job that, that we can. And we're going to, if you're buying a car from us, whether it's the 20 grand classic or the 20 million quid classic, yeah. The bottom line is it will be the, the hopefully the best example of what it is and, and we will have at least gone through it to, to check those things out and you know we all it's very easy for us all in, in the petrol head world to think we know everything about all the cars but we don't have the time of in, in the day with other jobs to, to do that yeah. so hence why we can make a living out of making that our focus in yeah. in, in doing that due diligence and and i don't think I'm sure some people feel buying from a dealer, paying full retail kind of takes the magic away from that. I should be scouring eBay and finding that bargain that I can get painted and do myself. But once you do all that, you realize it's such a hassle and that yeah. life gets in the way. And it's just easier to get one that's done and someone else who you trust has, has and that's checked trust, it out. That's the thing. Yeah, that's and that's the big biggest thing because yeah. you can build trust with, with on a thousand deals. And you, if, if you do one bad deal, that trust is gone and you never get it back. Yeah. Well, that's the car. It sounds fab. Um, question three, where are we going? What's the destination for your ultimate road trip? Sounds really cheesy in my little alpha, but um, it would be to a place called Lake Orta, which is one of the lesser known lakes in the Italian lakes, um, where actually I drove Gigi about eight years ago to propose to my now wife. Um, yeah. And actually typical bloke form, um, I had this plan of going to the Italian lakes in my old alpha to propose to my then girlfriend now wife and thought Como will be good. I went for the typical sort of default places, but being lastminute.com, I hadn't really thought about it and everywhere was sort of booked up and I was in this state of panic. And then this amazing room came up in this place on the shores of Lake Orta, which I'd never, I'd never even heard of Lake Orta. Sure. So I plumbed with it because it was available and it turned out to be the jammiest, just surprise. It was the most incredible unsport place. This amazing medieval town where you can't even drive a car into. You have okay. to walk into the town, uh, down these cobble roads, sit on the lakeside. It was everything you dreamed Como and Everard Maggiore being, but without all the tourism and yeah. the coach loads full of tourists and the ice cream shop, souvenir shop, ice cream shop, souvenir shop. It was just magic. And with the Alpha there as well, parked outside this hotel and stuff, it was just... It was just it added that that extra magic. In, an Instagram moment before Instagram existed. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah I'm sure Instagram existed in Facebook, right? but I, I'm so bad at social media. And, but I think it's also really important to kind of drink those moments in, you know, not see it through a lens. But I, I've got a whole bunch of photos we took on the trip. I mean, we broke down. Uh, you know, we I, there was a guy staying at the hotel who was in a slightly later Alpha, and he'd been driving around Europe in it that summer. Really? And so, you know, he was helping me out with some things I had to do on the car, but. That's the patchwork quilt, the sort of the, it's some people's worst nightmare, the idea of having to tinker with a car or something. But if you're really invested in it emotionally and you love cars, 
it's part of the fun. Yeah, it just adds to the experience. As, as some of the other guys I've spoken to for this podcast, you know, they say it's part of the part of the journey. You know, um, yeah. I, I, I remember speaking to a husband and wife who'd toured around Europe in their Jaguar XK140 in the sort of eighties. And they were, they were, they were t- telling me this story about how they broke down in the p- worst storm that country had ever seen or something. And, and they were just laughing like two school kids about, do you remember when this happened? And it was on their wedding anniversary that this, this breakdown happened. Yeah. And although it sounded like an absolute nightmare at the time, I said, of all your wedding anniversaries, which one do you remember the most? And they were like, that one. That you one. know, yeah. you always remember weirdly the, the bad trips because they're the most memorable. Because cool. usually you figure it out and you sort of solve yeah. it. And that, that gives it an added, added sense of achievement, I guess. Question, we'll get on to question four. I think I know the answer, but who's your passenger? Well, my passenger would be my, uh, my wife, Nikki. And I'm not just saying that, guys, as a get out of jail free card or something. Yeah. So I'm going to get hit over the head with a pad when I get home because I didn't pick her. But it's... Um, is she a good passenger? Is she a good map reader as and when in your Julius and there's no sat-nav unless you've got Google Maps on your phone? She is an excellent map reader. She's good company. Um, and actually, we've got our second one on the way and we've recently been speaking more and more about do you remember what life was like pre our daughter Rosie and now we're going to have a second. So I think I love the idea of this sort of pre-child road trip and we're not can't get rid of the children but the idea of handing the kids over to the grandparents and spending we did it over about 10 days but i'd try and make it sort of two weeks take a bit you know we took three days to go down there um one thing i would say for anyone planning a road trip is you plan the days and you think oh i'll smash through two three hundred miles in in, mm. in, a, in a day and you i tried to avoid motorways all i could and we just kept getting more and more behind schedule i mean you really need to be doing like 100 150 miles a day if you're going to enjoy the route otherwise yeah. you're just going to find yourself getting on the motorway to cut corners and i found that on the way there and, and sort of tweak things on the way back um the inevitable coffee stops left right and center yeah. i mean it's not even about the destination anymore you know you, your destination could be anywhere yeah. on on this on this sort of this question but it's 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 the it's the journey there well, it is, and what it you is, see on the way it is the classic it's the classic uh, phrase you know it's the, the journey not the destination unless you're going to Hotel du Cap or something, I don't know. But uh, question five is the tune, which is the tricky one for a lot of people. But it can be a tune, it can be an album, it can be a song that you remember from that journey. What would you choose? The problem is I didn't actually have any music on that road trip. Um, Because the only way we could have listened to music was uh, if we'd had sort of some headphones together, but then we'd just be sat listening in our own little world having a pretty antisocial um road trip so uh i've got to say the for me the uh, if it was an album i'd probably pick something like rumors by fleetwood mac or californication by the red hot chili peppers something along those lines but um but generally on in the older cars i very rarely listen to music so it's all about the noise from whichever engines up front and yeah, it is a tricky question. I'm trying to remember, Mark Webber, no, it wasn't. It was Tiff Nadal who just thought, no, there's no, it's yeah. just the V12 in the back. Or... the V12 engines. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the strange thing with the noise of the engine was, I remember with my little Alpha at sort of motorway speeds, at about 5,000 RPM, and we had the, the, the hood down the whole way down. I never put it up once on the, on the three, four days driving down, or yeah. when we were down there. Yeah. And then we went through the San Gotthard tunnel between Italy and, and Switzerland, and we went in burning hot sunshine one side uh, and came out the other the other side and it was pouring with rain oh, really? and we started to pull over pull the roof up and it's only when you're suddenly in the rattling little 
sort of box that is your car with the hood up that you realize at 5,000 RPM, the car is screaming. Oh, and I just thought, oh my God, have I driven all this way? So with the wind in your hair and just the wind whipping yeah, by, yeah. you never hear the, you never really hear the engine, so to speak, at those speeds. So I felt a little bit guilty, but it, what a gem of an engine that it could just sit for hours. I mean, we did, we did Baal in, um, in Switzerland to Calais in one hit. You know, it was like wow. seven hours of just, and we did it on the motorway because of timings again. Timings kind of messed up on the, on that last day, and uh, yeah, just smashed it. It was just, it was great. But uh, testament to what a great yeah. car it is. What an amazing road trip that sounds like. Just fabulous. Going back to how it's been for the business and you know, and for the the classic motorhub. How do you envisage? What are your hopes for this year? You know, events back up and running. The car market, I think, ticks over nicely. That's not the issue. But, you know, events, when do you, when do you think you're going to be think, back running? Uh, with I the events? Well, we're, we're, we're debating, and nothing's official yet. I think we're debating. We did what's called um, an open-air showroom. I'm not sure about the Coffee and Classics, but I know we did an op- open-air uh, showroom when we had all the cars outside, weather permitting, and we're talking about looking into, I think it's April the 17th, which would be in line with, with the sort of unlocking roadmap. But, of course... It's such a moving target. We we we've got this roadmap, but it it could change, yeah. and um, we just have to be open to that. But I think we're all I think we're all very keen now to to see people again, to get out there, share our passion, um, get out there in in the cars. You know, between the lockdowns was one thing. You know, there's there's the restrictions were were easy to deal with. I yeah. think because you could go out and drive your car. Yeah. Now technically, I can't just get in my Alpha and drive off. I would be breaking the rules, or it wouldn't be in the spirit of what what we're meant to be doing. Um, so even if it's a sort of less of a lockdown, but there's still restrictions, I think it's just important for people to get out in their cars, even meet outside here at a distance and chat yeah. over, over a car. And 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 because there's loads of space here, that's the great thing about what you have. You know, an old RAF base, and uh, it's just built for that kind of event for outdoors. And you're in a great location here, aren't you? In this yeah. beautiful part of the world. I think. Um, I think. Yeah. I think now. I think first part of lockdown, people were catching up on. Uh, their car stuff whether that's buying or selling but also I mean a lot of restorers are super busy because if you're going to rebuild your engine of your race car you'd have to try and plot it between all the race meets and the testing and stuff whereas with none of those happening it's actually been the perfect year for people to go right I'm going to give my car that birthday and and just lock it in yeah Yeah, absolutely Richard thank you so much for your time this afternoon it's been great to come and have another good look I've been here before but uh it's quite it's not sad but it's you know it, you know i arrived outside and last time i was here there was such a hub of activity no pun intended and uh you know just look forward to seeing people here and, and see all these amazing vehicles and just watch a fabulous space you've got and thanks for the ultimate road trip as well of course which is what we're here for um richard thank you so much again for your time this afternoon not at all thank you so much thanks for keeping us all sane with the podcast <laughs> <laughs> trying my best thanks richard road tripping with my two favorite allies fully loaded we got snacks and supplies it's time to leave this town it's time to steal away let's go get lost anywhere in the usa let's go get lost let's go get lost blue you sit so pretty west of the one sparkle like Yellow icing, just a mirror for the sun Just a mirror for the sun Just a mirror for the sun
Such is come before those battles. 